escuchas ese rugido, sientes la experiencia de poder, la emoción de la libertad. Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Escuchas ese rugido, sientes la experiencia de poder, la emoción de la libertad. Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Hi, good afternoon. Welcome to the marketplace. Coming up, the latest from the UN Africa Economic Conference, where the continent's debt crisis has come to the fore. We hear from the African Development Bank, which is urging African countries to engage in what it terms as sustainable borrowing, so that we're not borrowing for consumption and then ending up spending seventy something, seventy-four billion US dollars on debt service costs. Meanwhile, the United Nations Development Program says the increasing speed of unconstitutional changes in governments could injure the ideals of the Africa continental free trade area. Yes, it is a concern, and I think also that uh, it is about time that we actually uh, broaden the conversation. Head on show business, we discuss how to promote Africa's film industry, which has the potential of creating 20 million jobs and contributing 20 billion dollars to the continent's GDP. My name is Daryl Kwal. Thanks for joining us. Details coming up. Thanks for staying with us, everyone. First up, the African Development Bank is urging African countries to engage in what it terms as sustainable borrowing. The continental body says such a move will lead to countries shifting away from foreign inflows, where while instead pursuing domestic mobilization drive to promote growth and development. Ghana is amongst a list of African nations facing sovereign debt crisis, with the country running a three billion dollar program with the International Monetary Fund. However, the African Development Bank believes emerging economies such as Ghana could benefit a lot more from outflows. Here's Blaise Suga. Illicit financial outflows and the debt service charges are said to be costing the African continent over 160 billion United States dollars. The Economic Commission for Africa, the United Nations Development Program, and the African Development Bank say they are increasingly concerned about. The lack of industrialization across the African continent. Leading figures of these partnering agencies at the African Economic、uh, 
uh, summit here in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, have been making a call to African countries to engage in what they term as sustainable borrowing, plugging revenue leakages and focusing much more on the outflows as well as taking steps to push for an intra-African trade regime. The call has been made by the African Development Bank for many African countries to embrace the spirit of a made in Africa revolution that will industrialize the continent and to push for more sustainable growth in Africa. On financing and focusing on external financing, uh, again, the issue here is that uh, if you really look at data, the uh, outflows in terms of financing from Africa and the inflows in terms of financing to Africa, you would see that the outflows can actually outpace the inflows. And that is why my focus is on countries doing what is necessary to improve domestic revenue mobilization in the countries, but also to improve the quality of the use of the resources mobilized. And in doing that, I mean blocking leakages uh, that happen through illicit flows. That's 90 billion, over 90 billion annually, the ones we measure. And then uh, also uh, sustainable borrowing, so that we're not borrowing for consumption and then ending up spending 70 something, 74 billion US dollars on debt service costs only. And then also uh, trying to improve the macroeconomic environment, which goes to the question that was asked about business environment. That again can help Africa save up to 74.5 billion US dollars. I've only looked at three sectors and you see how many billions we could keep in the continent. So if you look at all the other aspects of Um, industrialization does not preclude agriculture because actually you can have a lot of agriculture doing agriculture as a business not as a service sector and this is where agro-allied industrialization comes in and for many countries this remains a major competitive advantage for for the countries but then there are other sectors depending on the resource environments of countries and capacities of the countries to deal with those issues Blessed Sudan reporting for Joy News, Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. Well, joining us uh, from the Africa Economic Conference uh, on Zoom is Dr. Fatma Talaveta Sisse, Senior Economist, UNDP. Also, Gatege Wabmeina, who is Chairperson of the AFTA Kazini Caravan. Thank you both for joining us. Um, I want to start with you, Dr. Sisse. The 2023 AEC is seeking to explore imperatives for Africa's industrialization agenda. Do you think that this is feasible looking at the economic downturn across the continent? Good afternoon to you and to all listeners and thank you so much for having us. Indeed, the, you've just highlighted the 2023 AEC conference. The imperative for industrialization in Africa has never been more so important before than now. And what I like about this conference is we are not discussing why industrialization or when industrialization, but in fact we are discussing how 
and on the how we are looking at industri taking industrialization to scale and the speed that is actually required to do so. So that said, there are two of industrialization. A second and most important is what we know that lies ahead of us and we have right here, which is exploring the Africa continental free trade area. The continental free trade area requires us working on regional value chains. And to do so, we have to increase our manufacturing, the contribution of manufacturing to GDP. That's another opportunity that shows us that yes, it is possible, it is feasible, even within the economic downturn across Africa, to really be able to gear towards industrialization. Yeah, I'd like Thank for you, you to speak uh, to the Ghanaian situation since you are um, economic advisor for Ghana as well. I mean, we are dealing with a debt crisis in our country. I mean, we've talked about uh, some of the ways that Africa can turn the corner. But Ghana specific, what would you advise for us? Uh, the first thing to say about the debt situation uh, that you know very well is not only affecting Ghana and a number of countries, but it's to begin by understanding that indebted countries are not poor countries. Most of these countries are resource-rich countries, including Ghana. It's a challenge of uh, a mixture of use of poli uh, domestic policy choices and also external shocks that have found them where they are. Um, debt accumulation in these countries has also arisen largely because of the need for huge development financing that is required to achieve the SDGs. And we know in recent times, there is need for these countries to also manage the emergent cost of living crisis, um, given um, external shocks, as I mentioned. So two quick things that I think we should pay attention to in terms of responding to the economic challenges in, in, in Ghana currently. One is unlocking development financing. It is not only going to take Ghana on its own to probably get out of the challenge that is hard, but multilateralism and development banks have a lot to also play in de-risking investment and also encouraging long-term development financing. Um, the, the development needs, the financing needs of the countries, and including Ghana, as you rightly said, is not going to mean that we're not going to go to the capital market, but we have to do so in terms that are favorable for the countries. Most important is for Ghana to consider focusing on economic growth that is export-driven. This will ensure that the country is earning the foreign currency that is required for both debt servicing, but also for stabilizing um, a lot of many other macroeconomic uh, indicators. We have already launched two days ago on the national budget, and one of the key highlights is that 2024 budget is promising for Ghana, wherein the country will experience for the first time a one trillion Ghana cities growth. We have to be very concerned about where that growth is, what's the source of the growth, and uh, how that growth is actually going to benefit everyone. So really, export-led growth and ensuring inclusive growth is a critical way to get Ghana out of the current challenges. Okay, I want to bring in uh, Gathi Gay at this point. Uh, good afternoon to you. So the continental free trade area has been identified as a critical lever for growth. Um, how can African countries take advantage of it? I think you'd have to unmute. Can you hear me, Gathige? Okay. 
Okay. Sorry, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, we have uh, trouble connecting with, with you. Uh, we'll hopefully fix that and get right back to you. But if you could take that up, uh, uh, Dr. Cisse, uh, I mean, we are talking about the continental free trade area and how that has been identified as a critical level for growth. Uh, and since Ghana is hosting the framework, how do we take advantage? Really very excited to respond to this question, and that is because uh, Ghana is already taking advantage of the AFCFTA. We know, for example, that the country is leading the key initiative, uh, the Guided Trade Initiative, which was launched just about a year ago, where eight countries have really mobilized and already trying to um, operationalize the AFCFTA and really trading already. Um, we also know of the institutional framework that the country has put together in terms of coordinating trade-related institutions. We know about the National Coordinating Office of the AFCFTA. And also policy environment has actually been paid clear attention to so that the country can explore this. And here I want to even mention that UNDP's integrated support to MSMEs in Ghana, medium, small, and micro enterprises in Ghana, is ensuring that the small and medium enterprises will not be left behind in Ghana's exploring the AFCFTA. And that's another strong opportunity and potential to show that Ghana is really going to benefit um, from the AFCFT and is already doing so. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you talk about an export-led economy based on the 2024 budget presented. Uh, is there any other factor to consider aside from industrialization to promote growth looking at the Ghanaian economy, which is now uh, running an IMF program? Thank you so much. I will, I will respond to this by mentioning three areas, and I'm sure there could be many or more. One of them is growing the MSMEs, lifting people from the informal sector and creating a space for the private sector to thrive. I think this is a key area um, in actually getting the Ghanaian economy to what we all know it to be for the past three decades. The second is we already know the growth in services, in the services sector, that account for 45% of the Ghanaian economy. We have to really lay emphasis on the quality of the services, so growing in depth and not only in expansion. That is also really critical. My last and final point is the agriculture sector remains central to the Ghanaian economy, increasing food self-sufficiency, but also it's really critical uh, for reducing the dependence on foreign currency and reducing the dependence on imports. These three areas, I will say, are some of, among many others that um, I know many other economists are going to be talking about that really will help um, Ghana's economy to diversify uh, and also have an improved quality of services and really be inclusive, bringing more people to participate, especially when you look at the agriculture sector. Uh, what's the general expectation at the end of this conference um, regarding where we want Africa to be? Um, we're here, and what we know is it's not only about talking, but it's about having practical solutions. The expectation is we leave this continent some of the recommendations that are coming out of the conference so far is really the importance of having integrated policy solutions on the continent. So we really are going to leave this conference hoping by next year when we come back, we have examples of countries where we're having integrated solutions. Industrial um, um, growth requires human capital development strategy, requires economic diversification strategy, requires something around manufacturing. Often there are different institutions mm. 
in our countries that are managing all of this. So policy coherence, coordination is really going to be one of the key things that I believe we are taking out of the, this um, conference and that we want to see in practice on the continent and in different countries. Thank you so much, Dr. Fatmata Labeta uh, Sise, Senior Economist with the UNDP. I appreciate your time. I'm going to try and bring in uh, Gatege Wameina, see if we can uh, get a good connection to you uh, while we have a, a few minutes to talk about the AEC. Uh, I, I was trying to engage you, Gatege, about the continental free trade area, uh, where we are right now as a continent, and how we can take advantage. If you can hear. Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera. Pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500. Hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Okay, thank you very much. It appears, it appears we don't have a good connection to Gathige. The apologies. Uh, we'll make some time and speak to you on the show some other time. Meanwhile, the United Nations Development Program says the increasing speed of unconstitutional changes in governments could injure the ideals of the African continental free trade area. Although Africans are hoping to increase trade cooperation through this framework, weak governance structures have been ident- identified as one of the major hurdles the continent needs to deal with. In West Africa alone, at least five coup d'etats were recorded promoting fears that growing instability could cause retrogression of the African industrialization agenda. However, speaking at a news conference, Matthias Knapp, Director UNDP Regional Service Center in Addis Ababa, had this to say. We see and how that threatens some of the gains that we uh, countries have made over the years. Yes, it is a concern. And I think also that uh, it is about time that we actually uh, broaden the conversation to ensuring how these all constitutional changes return to constitutional processes in terms of transition, but in the process of transition, how we involve everybody. Because again, the causes or the root causes of some of these unconstitutional changes of government all hinder on development. Basic services, access to a lot of the things that people need. And and so for us to be able to transition from unconstitutional changes of government, I think there is the point that the president made about inclusion. We cannot transition back into a democratic space if everybody is not carried along, whether it is women, it is youth, uh, it's the elderly, and all segments of society, civil society and all that. So it's a concern, but I think that... uh, for every time there is a challenge, there is also a parallel opportunity that I think we should be able to take advantage of. Uh, and, and so I, I see where you're coming from, but I also still see the glass half full all the time. Lastly, uh, is the issue of um, acting as a block. And I think my sister from uh, Tribune Afrique talked about that. For SMEs uh, to be able to blossom, we need to be able to provide the space for them to be able to see themselves as a block. 
And I think this is why the Africa Continental Free Trade Area is also looking forward to doing. The African Union is working day and night to ensure that uh, the Africa position, now that we have been accepted into the uh, membership of the G20, can always be us talking with one voice. And I think it is possible. And last news from the Africa Economic Conference underway in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. Now, over 1,000 traders in the central business district of Kumasi have been sensitized by the Bank of Ghana on banking security and fraud. This comes after several complaints and fraud reports submitted to the central bank. The bank says it is instituting measures to protect the interests of financial consumers. Here's more in this report. The post-COVID pandemic is turning out to be a bonanza for scammers. Banking and investment swindles are the most commonly reported scams with most informal sector workers falling victim. The Bank of Ghana has revealed the knowledge and understanding of liquidity, inflation and interest rate is low among informal sector workers. This has an implication on their businesses and their ability to make sound investment decisions. Augustin Amwakudonko is Chief Manager, Financial Stability Department. Take as little as three minutes to see if you could save on motorcycle insurance with Progressive. Come on, you've spent more time than that thinking about helmets with faces on them. I should get a new helmet. Ooh, maybe I'll get one of those ones that looks like a face with painted teeth and eyebrows, you know? Oh, that always looks so cool. People are like, whoa, is that a person with two faces? Oh, no, it's a helmet. And... One face. Get a quote in as little as three minutes at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. At the Bank of Ghana. Based on complaints that we receive from uh, uh, the public directly, and then complaints that are also lodged with the uh, financial institutions themselves, we realize that many of the customers are not aware of their rights and then also their sensibilities. They may just look at for institutions offering high uh, interest rates. They go, they engage with them, and then in the end, they get their fingers uh, bent. And the reason is because people rush to take loans without really understanding the implications. In other words, without appreciating the terms and conditions that goes with the loans. And so in most of our sensitization programs, we dwell a lot on the uh, loans because if care is not taken, it is an area that uh, if you are not careful, it may even run down your business. So the whole idea is to be engaging the customers of the institutions that Bank of Ghana has licensed to provide them with a relevant uh, education that will enhance their knowledge of the banking sector such that in their dealings with institutions, they know what exactly to do. They know what to do, what not to do. Members of all trade associations at the Central Business District in Kumase attended the bank's sensitization event. Queen Mother of Tilapia Sellers at the Kiditia Market, Nana Mecha, expressed worry about the unlicensed and money-doubling financial institutions that have Taking over television screens. And the TV, super be a TV station, be a not be a better chance for me as messy as messy mind. 
Our TV screens are full of money doublers. They are scammers. I have my own experience with a particular financial institution which kept deducting money from my account. I stopped banking with them. The market queen mothers lauded the sensitization program and have promised to be advocates in cautioning and sensitizing other traders. For Joy Business, Mona Lisa Frimpon reporting. All right, uh, it's a Friday, and so it's time for show business with uh, the only culture journalist in the country, Kenal Shidak. Well, well, the African uh, Cinema Summit is underway here in Accra. And President Kufado has called for African filmmakers to tell positive African stories. The admonition has triggered conversations regarding the viability of the local film scene and the underlying issues hindering the promotion of indigenous narratives. And, well, Ken is here uh, to help us dissect the problem and explore uh, whatever solutions there are to make the president's call a reality. So uh, great to see you. It's been two weeks I've not seen you, but yes. yeah, I've been monitoring your work. So before we talk about, I mean, what the problem is, let's start with uh, what the industry is worth currently here in Africa. Right. So um, when it comes to movies, it's a very big part of culture. Mm -hmm. And it's not just globally. I mean, in Africa, there are so many stories that filmmakers here have told that have gone global. And when it comes to the segmentation in Africa, for instance, you find the Nollywood, you find another fragment called the Gallywood here in Ghana. There's also the Kumawood outside there. There's Hollywood among others. But when it comes to like how much these you know cultural affiliations translate into figures, you realize that there was a report recently by in 2021 actually by mm -hmm. UNESCO that was um, uh, talking about the fact that um, the film African films actually specifically African films were contributing about five million dollars to the continent's, you know, revenue space. And even with that, they were projecting that that was very little because they were actually anticipating that if all frameworks are put in place, mm -hmm. it has the potential to reach about 20 billion, you know, from f um, 5 billion to 20 billion if all, you know, all things be equal. So um, this report actually threw some light on how much the value of the space is. And so if you really look at the systems that are there, you realize that with these figures, it's also projecting that about 20 million jobs can be created annually in this particular space if, you know, the right, um, the right infrastructure is put in place, basically. And so let's uh, talk about the president's concerns about telling positive stories about Africa. You'd imagine or you'd think that Africans can tell our own story and tell them positively, but it appears that is not the case. I want to find out why that is the case. Is it that we are not going beyond ourselves to do it or are we just plain trying to follow the west and other countries what they say about or portray 
Africa to be. Exactly. I think the last point you made is one of the most, you know, cardinal points when it comes to the telling of African stories. I think there has been a certain narrative that the culture from the West is always better than what we have here in Africa. And that's one of the reasons why a lot of, you know, filmmakers are portraying, you know, the cultural settings of foreign countries, which leaves ours and our customs and our culture kind of lagging. So it makes it difficult for people, it makes it very viable for people to think that if they portray the foreign culture, it's much, much, you know, it has more potential to sell outside because the target is mostly, you know, the market outside. So it makes it difficult for filmmakers, some filmmakers to target, you know, what we have here in the country. I mean, some people have also attempted to do that and I've done that, you know, to some extent successfully, but it gets to a point where investment becomes a problem because um, you need some, you know, income or some investment to be able to put out a good movie. And mm -hmm. so if you're, the source of your investment is, you know, for instance, uh, coming from the West, you know, it's like research. If you are being funded by a certain entity, it's expected that the, the theory that's created for you is already like the, the problem that's created for you to solve is also the, is, is exactly the problem of someone else. And so it's difficult for you to tell it from your perspective. And some experts have said that that is one of the reasons why you are not hearing more African stories from the African perspective in our own continent. And also, there is also, you know, the need for education. People have, you know, indicated that um, in the movie industry in Ghana, right, in Africa, for instance, uh, there have been, n there has not been a deliberate effort to, you know, rope in professionals mm -hmm. in the game. And so it makes it very difficult for them to, you know, they can create the, the, the film, they can create the content, but when it gets a certain level of marketing, it becomes very difficult because you may, they may not have employed the right people to do that marketing, that promotion amongst others. And so there are very, you know, varied factors that come into play when it comes to the difficulties in portraying our own story. It, it could also be the fact that we have not acquired the taste for, I mean, local stories or stories about Africans. I mean, people want to see something by the West, right? Yeah, exactly. And so there are some of the, for instance, people have also advocated that um, when it comes to funding of the industry, it becomes very difficult because um, it's difficult for you to find um, various governments on the African continent push funds into filmmaking. And so it becomes very difficult as well, even though they have the idea, you know, implementing it in the film industry becomes another problem. And so it's understandable that people watch, want to see what comes from their their area, but it's mm. not very difficult when funding is also a problem. At 30 seconds, what can be done to make African narratives more attractive? It's, it's a tallest, I should say, but I've said 30 minutes like this. <laughs> <Let's get into laughs> not 30 so, minutes, 30, 30 seconds. seconds. I was about so let's make it a three-pointer. Point number one? Promotion and consistency in one. Two? The second thing, private partnerships, because if government is not funding it that much, I mean, there's, there's, there's private partnership that third? can also is that help do that. The third could be, you know, studying the space of intellectual property so that people can make more earnings from what they create. All right. Ken Ochidako, Ghana's only culture journalist. Thank you so much for your time <laughs> well. here on The Market, please. Uh, my name is Daryl Kwa. Thanks for watching. Enjoy your weekend. Nacen en la carretera.
oeste comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500. Hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCI US LLC.